RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Wednesday. It is March the 20th. And if my math is right, that means we got 10 more days until it's April. And supposedly today was the first day of spring. Uh, depending on what side of the world you are, the first day of spring was at 550 something this afternoon. But I got to tell you, I'm here in small town Abbeville, Georgia, where literally I can hear roosters outside of my hotel room. Uh, I'm here for a trial that we're covering on the Law and Crime Network. I'll talk about that here in a second. But it doesn't feel like springtime here. In the mornings when the roosters wake me up, it's about 35 degrees. And the, the, the highest temperature has been about 62 since I've been here since Sunday. So, But if you're looking at your calendar, it says today is the first day of spring. So maybe if you're down south, if you're down in Florida, if you're down in Tampa with my guys Jason and and uh, Jerry down there at RadioInfluence.com, maybe it feels like spring, but not here in Abbeville, Georgia. Now, I'm down here, Abbeville, Georgia, again, covering the trial for the Law and Crime Network, reporting live from the courtroom uh, during the breaks. Uh, it's a case against Bo Dukes, and if you're from the Georgia area or if you've been following the case of Tara Grinstead, there was a, a podcast up and vanished about it, and I think there was an oxygen special and a dateline and a few other things uh, about Tara Grinstead. She went missing back in 2005. She was a former beauty contestant. She actually uh, competed for Miss Georgia. Uh, she lost, but she was also a school teacher. She went missing back in October of 2005. In 2017, the GBI made two arrests, one for Ryan Duke, who's charged with her murder, and another for Bo Dukes, no relation. Uh, Duke, Ryan Duke, and Bo Dukes with an S, no relation. So Bo Dukes is on trial right now for uh, making false statements to investigators, that being the GBI, uh, failure to, are preventing the apprehension of a criminal, uh, Ryan Duke, and uh, disposing of a corpse, that being Tara Grinstead now. Uh, based on his statements and based on a confession from Ryan Duke, they uh, Ryan Duke killed Tara Grinstead back in 2005. He broke into her house. Ironically, they were both students of Tara's at one point. Uh, when they were in high school, he broke into her house, according to him, to steal things for drugs. Uh, she woke up. He strangled her. And Bo Duke's uh, claim in this is that he helped Ryan Duke dispose of the body on his uncle's pecan, or depending on what part of the world you're from, pecan patch here down in uh, Fitzgerald, Georgia, which is the next county over from where I'm at right now. So the trial's been going on. This is day three of that trial. Uh, I talked to the prosecutors today after I left court, or after court was over, rather, and they say that they should be able to rest their uh, case by lunchtime tomorrow 
don't think the defense is going to call any witnesses, so the jury will probably be deliberating on that uh, probably by 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon uh, in that case. And then Ryan Duke, his co-defendant, the one who's charged with her murder, his trial actually begins April the 1st here in just about 10 days. So I will be back in small town Georgia uh, covering that. I, I just hope the weather is better because uh, it's chilly in the mornings here. Um, and, you know, if you look on a map at Abbeville, Georgia, it's way down south Georgia and population's about 2,900 people. So when I went to go get some hibachi last night, I literally had to drive about 30 miles to get some decent food because the only thing here in this town is uh, Wilcox County Prison, which definitely don't want to go eat there. There's a Dollar General, a Family Dollar, and one of those mom and pop little grocery stores. So to get some good food, I had to drive a little bit. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about a case out in Virginia that broke yesterday. Uh, and it's uh, about a woman who fatally shot herself while handcuffed behind her back. And that's according to the medical examiner. And it was uh, ruled a suicide. And they said she contorted her body in a way that she was able to shoot herself in the mouth while handcuffed behind her back. So uh, she was 19, according to this report. Sarah Wilson. She was a passenger in her boyfriend's car. They were pulled over by Chesapeake police in July of 2018. So this happened, you know, almost a year ago, but this report is just now coming out uh, from the medical examiner and from this investigation. Uh, they were pulled over uh, by, I believe, two mark units and uh, a narcotics officer. So I'm assuming uh, that this was a, a stop related to drugs. So the boyfriend, he's 27, uh, 27 year old Holden Midland, uh, they were trying to uh, subdue him to get him into custody. He attempted to flee, uh, at which point officers left Wilson, Sarah Wilson, by herself while they went to try to apprehend her boyfriend. Uh, the report goes on to say that she took a gun out of the car, I assume the car that they were riding in, uh, and contorted her body in such a way that she was able to shoot herself in the mouth. And of course, she died. Uh, that's typically what happens when you get shot in the mouth. Um, so that's according to the Chesapeake Police Department, and that's according to the medical examiner there in Chesapeake, Virginia. Now, of course, her mother has said that, uh, you know, she's never known her daughter to even have picked up a gun, owned a gun, touched a gun. So, of course, the mother's questioning uh, the facts of this case. Now, I can play devil's advocate two ways. I can tell you it's impossible to shoot yourself in the mouth if you're handcuffed behind your back. But at the same time, me being former law enforcement, I can sit there and tell you that I personally had a 250-pound woman in the back of my car that was handcuffed behind her back that was able to, as we call it in police terms, slip her cuffs towards to her front and proceed to break out my back window and climb out the window 
and try to elude. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you take a three, a almost 300 pound woman who can contort her body to get the cuffs in front of her, then I'm not sure how big Sarah Wilson is or was, I should say. Uh, but it, it is likely possible now. Of course, there was a body cam by, worn by one of the uh, uniformed officers, but according to this report, it was knocked offline during the struggle with the boyfriend, Holden Medlin. Um, the report goes on to say that Medlin was arrested after the traffic stop and charged with possession of oxycodone, possession of paraphernalia, possession of a firearm with a Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 drug, fleeing from law enforcement officers, and being a felon in possession of a firearm. Um, they found 11 oxycodone, a syringe, drug paraphernalia, a rifle, and several boxes of ammunition in his car. He also swallowed a golf-sized ball of an unknown substance, which is pretty common when someone's trying to get rid of the evidence of drugs. I've had plenty of people swallow bags of cocaine or bags of pills on me, uh, which really isn't a smart thing to do because eventually that plastic deteriorates and those drugs go straight to your, your bloodstream. Uh, so we know there was a rifle in the car. Uh, several boxes of ammunition. They didn't say if the ammunition was from this revolver, which I don't know if it was a 38 or a 22 or 357, uh, but it just says several boxes of ammunition are inside his car. So, slaying devil's advocate again, could it happen? Yes. Could I understand why the mother would have questions? Yes. Do I think this is far from over just because the medical examiner said uh, that you know she contorted her, her body in such a way that she was able to shoot herself? No, because even I as a parent and given my law enforcement experience, I too would actually have questions like whose gun was it? Whose DNA was on the gun? Where did the gun actually come from? Why did you leave a handcuffed suspect by themselves when there were three officers there? Why didn't one of the officers stay with my daughter? Those are the questions I would have because, quite frankly, if you leave someone handcuffed by themselves, A, you don't think they're going to shoot themselves, but you essentially just left the prisoner unaccompanied who can therefore run away and elude capture and get the handcuffs cut off or, or something like that. So there'd be so many questions, you know, in, in that. And I, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback what those officers did. I wasn't there. I don't know if this guy was putting up a heck of a fight and it took all three officers. I don't know if this guy was under the influence of some of the stuff he had in his car, which really makes you really strong and feel no pain, you know, so softening the hand control and everything else that officers would have done, even up to an aspartame or pepper spray, if he was under the influence of his own product, as they see on the street, if he got high on his own supply, then it may have taken uh, all three officers to subdue him. And maybe that's why they left her by herself. But Still has a lot of questions uh, in that case. Now, last week uh, I featured uh, an officer on my 10-7 segment 
who was killed while serving a warrant, and that was Deputy Jacob uh, Keltner with the uh, uh, McHenry, I believe, McHenry County, uh, Illinois Sheriff's Office. Uh, he was uh, attached to the uh, U.S. Marshals Task Force. He was attempting to serve a warrant when the suspect opened fire. Uh, he shot the female inside the room first, and then he opened fire through the door, striking uh, Jacob Keltner, and he later died uh, after being transported to the hospital. Well, I'm pleased to say that uh, the Rockford County uh, District Attorney has, uh, or grand jury, I should say, has indicted uh, an individual for that shooting accused of killing the deputy. Uh, it's Floyd Brown, 39 years old. He was indicted on one count of murder uh, for allegedly killing Jacob Keltner. Of course, this has to go to trial. One count of illegal possession of firearm by a convicted felon and one count of possession of a firearm while with an obliterated serial number, which means it was likely a stolen weapon because why else would you file off the serial number if it wasn't stolen? So, you know, when we always hear these debates about gun control, and I actually went back and forth with someone I consider a friend on Instagram, not like an Instagram friend, but someone I, I know, uh, he had posted something about uh, some candidate talking about uh, gun control and you know, mass shootings and all of this stuff that we always hear. And I replied back and I said, yeah, we need to talk about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of illegal guns that are killing people that look just like you and I, because he's an African-American man. And I said, and, and that are killing kids in Chicago at an alarming rate that look just like my son. And uh, he's like, yeah, we need to have that conversation, but we can't exclude. We can't have that conversation without talking about these mass shootings and without talking about how Caucasian people get away with carrying guns around when white people and when black people don't, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, we need to have a whole bunch of conversations about guns and gun control because there are people that shouldn't be able to pass a psychological exam that shouldn't be able to go get a gun. And keep in mind that since we're talking these mass shootings, all of these mass shootings that we've seen here in America, those guns were purchased legally by someone who went to a gun store. This individual that shot this deputy in McHenry County was a convicted felon, which means he got his gun illegally. Hence the obliterated, i.e. filed off serial number on that gun. And just like I just talked about the young lady that allegedly shot herself and killed herself with a gun during a traffic stop, her boyfriend was a felon in possession of a weapon. I assure you, he did not go to a gun store to register for a gun permit. Neither did Floyd Brown, who shot this McHenry County Sheriff's deputy and killed him last week. He didn't go to a gun store and register to get a permit for a gun. No, he got a gun off the street illegally and he used it to do criminal things. That's how it worked. That's what happened. So we can have this debate about gun control. 
all we want to we're blue in the face but until we start talking about the illegal guns that are killing people across this country we're wasting our time it goes back to what i always say accountability and just like my friend on on uh, instagram and he's like well this and white people this accountability okay yes that is an issue but what about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of guns that are on the streets that are killing hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people in Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis, New York. Let's have that conversation as well. And let's not forget the hundreds of illegal guns that are used against police officers in this country every day. So I want to take a break about talking about crime. You know, when you're in a hotel, like I'm here in Abbeville or when I fly up to New York, you know, what's that saying? There's nothing like your own bed. And, you know, when I'm not in my own bed, I don't sleep well. Like I may sleep an hour here, an hour there. But when you're in your own bed, it is the most comfortable thing possible. And speaking of comfort when it comes to bed, my friends over at Ghost Bed have one of the most comfortable beds at a very low price. You wouldn't even believe it. What separates Ghost Bed from the others? Man, I got to tell you, they deliver a bigger, better, and more comfortable mattress than anything you've ever slept on. And I can personally attest to this because a couple of weeks ago, I opened my door and guess what's sitting out there? A brand new ghost bed mattress, queen size. Now, granted, I'm six foot one, but I got to tell you, man, when I laid down on that thing, it was the most comfortable thing ever. You take it out of the plastic, you cut the plastic open, boom, it pops up. It has three mattresses, all designed to help you sleep better. And they offer a 101 night hassle-free return, an amazing customer service, 101 night hassle-free return policy. So you mean to tell me you can try this bed for 100 days before you return it? Over 20,000 positive reviews, so you got to go check them out. They have amazing deals that you can find exclusively at www.ghostbed.com backslash the badge. You can even save a couple hundred dollars, which is already lower than any mattress shop. And the one thing I can say about Ghostbed that I really love about them, they cater to veterans as well, up to a 15% discount for veterans. And anytime you do that, you're all right with me. So go check them out, ghostbed.com backslash the badge. All right, I want to jump back into it. And we were talking gun control uh, with these illegal guns that are on the street, killing cops, killing kids. And nobody's talking about it, but everybody's always talking about when a police officer has to use their gun. And there was another police officer shot recently Another officer wounded by an individual 
and this was in Washington, uh, using a gun, right? Using a gun. It was a sheriff's deputy, Ryan Thompson. He was killed near the central city of Ellenburg, Washington. He was married with three children. The suspect was shot and later died at a hospital. His identity has not been released. But if I had to guess, that was a gun that this individual shouldn't have had. That was a gun by a convicted felon. You know why? Because... Why else would you shoot at police? Your average law-abiding citizen that's paying attention to the laws, there aren't are not criminals. Uh, they don't shoot the police. Like I carry a gun when I get stopped by the police, which is very rare because I try to like obey the speed limit and all that good stuff. I don't pull out my gun and say, oh, I'm going to shoot you. Well, A, probably because I'm a uh, former police officer. But B, if you think about it, your average citizen who purchased a gun legally, who has a permit to carry said gun, does not just pull a gun and shoot police. Now, the officers were actually responding to a road rage incident when they were shot. Again, your average citizen who's not a criminal, even if it was a road rage incident, which we all have from from time to time, does not just pull out their gun and shoot police. Not in this lifetime. So I got an update. Uh, There was a a, uh, NYPD police officer who uh, was shot. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, he was actually captured, this person that shot this deputy who fatally shot this NYPD officer, was actually captured. I guess he had been living a heck of a good life because he was captured 20 years later in Jacksonville, Florida. His name's Lester Willington Pearson, 43 years old. So, heck, I guess he was 20 when this happened. Was taken into custody without incident by the U.S. Marshals in the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office this past Friday at a home on Broad Creek Lane in the city's northwest side. Officers also recovered a handgun when Pearson was arrested. He is a suspect in the December 1999 shooting death of NYPD officer Vincent Ling. Stemming from a dispute, Ling was paralyzed in the shooting and subsequently died, according to the New York news media reports at the time. Wow. So Pearson was being held without bail on uh, the New York police detainer warrant stemming from Ling's death. He also faces local charges of possession of a weapon or ammunition by a felon from another state in a misdemeanor battery charge. Wow. Let me read that again. He also faces local charges of possession of a weapon or ammunition by a felon. Goes back to what I was just talking about when we're having this conversation about gun control. Who's controlling these felons that aren't getting the guns legally? And I bet in 99, when Pearson shot Vincent Ling, he was a felon who didn't get his gun legally. 
So let's see how he was caught here. His bail's uh, set at $40,000 on both charges. Sunday, two neighbors who declined to give their names said Pearson didn't interact with them or other residents that they knew of. They said they didn't even know his name. Law enforcement authorities said it was unclear how long Pearson had been living in Jacksonville. However, he used the alias Michael Davis and was known in the, the local rap community by the stage name Monster Cody. Huh. So he goes and becomes a rapper after he kills a police officer. The Val County court records show a person with Pearson's name and birth date was involved in three cases, uh, a divorce this year, a misdemeanor battery charge in 2005, and a 1999 misdemeanor domestic battery charge that was dismissed. So it sounds like as soon as he killed this police officer up in New York City, he uh, flees to Florida because if he was charged with this misdemeanor domestic battery in 1999, then that means he was there right after uh, he killed this deputy or this NYPD officer rather. Pearson is also one in Louisiana on charges of battery on a law enforcement officer in possession of marijuana. Sounds like this guy just really doesn't like police officers. But I'm having a problem here because that charge apparently stems from a 2005 case. Pearson is accused of attacking an officer while being interviewed after Louisiana State Police arrested him and seized 100 pounds of marijuana. A, first of all, I'm trying to figure out how you're already out of prison if you had 100 pounds of marijuana. Because if my math is right, that's 50 kilos. So you definitely can't say that's for personal use. So I got another problem. And I don't know the technology in 99. I wasn't on the police department until 2002. But, you know, we had this thing called CODIS and NCIC. And I don't know why in 99 they didn't match his fingerprints to this shooting of this NYPD officer if they knew who he was why wasn't he entered into NCIC and then in 2005 when the technology was even greater and he had this 100 pounds of marijuana why then didn't his fingerprints come back and code us so I guess my bigger question is how is this individual Again, a felon, because they charged him being a felon in possession of a weapon. How is this felon, Lester Willington Pearson, who's now 43 years old, able to elude capture for 20 years after killing an NYPD officer? I'm not even understanding how that's possible that he eluded capture for 20 years Because, yeah, we're in 2019. That happened in 99. If my math is right, that's 20 years. Uh, That's to me, that's mind mind boggling. Does it does it happen that people go on the lam, as they say, for that long? Absolutely. But someone that killed a police officer, man, I don't know. We should have. His face, his prints, his name, his aliases, all of that should have been plastered everywhere. So he wouldn't have been able to elude capture for 20 years. Like, 
wow, how does that happen? But it happened, and thankfully right now he's behind bars. He's in custody, and he will go to trial for his charges. And thankfully, Vincent Ling's family now gets answers. They get justice about what happened to him, you know? And that's what it's all about, justice for the families. At the end of the day, even if it's 20 years later, everybody wants justice for their family members. Wouldn't you say? I would say. So, it is time for my 10-7 segment. And then I'm going to go drive the 30 miles to the nearest restaurant <laughs> to go get some dinner so I can go to sleep and get back in the courtroom uh, tomorrow morning to cover more of this Bo Dukes trial. And if you're interested in that trial, of course, we're covering that on uh, the Law and Crime Network. Go to lawandcrime.com to find out how you can watch. I will be reporting live from the courtroom probably at about 12.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to lawandcrime.com to find out how you can watch. And as soon as I uh, have the video link, I will post it on my website, which is uh, VincentHillTV.com, and I will post it uh, on my Twitter as well, at VincentHillTV. But before I get out of here, like I said, it's time for my 10-7 segment. Tonight, I want to honor Deputy Sheriff Ryan Thompson and... Deputy Sheriff Ryan Thompson was shot and killed in the city of Kettitus, Washington, following a vehicle pursuit at approximately 6.45 p.m. This is the one I was talking about just a few minutes ago. He had responded to a traffic complaint involving a road rage incident and attempted to stop the involved vehicle. The driver fled along I-90 and exited the interstate into Kittius, where a city officer joined the pursuit. The vehicle came to a stop in the area of North Pierce Street and 6th Avenue. The driver opened fire on the officers, fatally wounding Deputy Thompson and seriously wounding the city officer. The subject was shot and killed in the ensuing shootout. Deputy Thomas is survived. Thompson, sorry, is survived by his wife and three children. So it goes back to what I said. When we start having these debates about gun control, when we start talking all of this stuff about we need to get guns off the street, you better be worried about these felons, these criminals who are not even worried about an FBI background check or a local background check because their background's not being checked because they're stealing guns. They're getting guns from gang members because the gang members sell guns to support their drug enterprise. They're breaking into pawn shops. They're breaking into gun stores. So I guess in theory, they are getting some of their guns from the gun store, just not the legal way. So think about that. Send your prayers to Deputy Sheriff Ryan Thompson's family 
who was out protecting and serving. And remember what I always say, nothing routine in policing, especially a traffic stop, because Deputy Sheriff Ryan Thompson lost his life on Tuesday, March 19th, 2000. And 19. And if you're adding up the math, yes, that was yesterday. All right, it's time for me to get out of here. I'm going to go get some food and get to bed. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here, radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, Follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a cannabis podcast. Quick fix on Radio Influence. We're living in a state or a world where uh, in this state you can go and vape. In this state you can still use the tinctures. Uh, we could do a lot of different things, but you can't smoke it. Uh, f- somebody who smokes it myself, like I enjoy, you know, the feel of smoking. I've never smoked cigarettes in my life, um, but I, I enjoy smoking a J. Um, you're looking at me, and for me, any way therapeutically I put it in my body, it's going to help me, all right? But that's just the method that I like to use. I read this story about a young lady, and she's not so young, Kathy Jordan from Sarasota. And uh, her story was, it was touching to where uh, she had ALS and she lived in Florida and she would be taking all these muscle relaxers. And I have a good friend of mine, Kevin Turner, who just passed from ALS, um, a guy I played with in Philadelphia. And that's, from what I hear, is the worst way to go. And she's taking all these muscle relaxers and it's putting her to sleep and she's sick and she can't eat. And she comes to, she's in Florida and she's at the beach and somebody has a joint. So she figures, why not? You know, what can go wrong? So she takes a couple hits of the joint and all of a sudden she feels better. So from that point on, the only thing that made her feel better was smoking a joint. So to me, stopping her from being able to do that is is unconstitutional. The Cannabis Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.